It's time. It's time. Passcode accepted. Now loading the Down South IT Podcast. Glad to have you with me. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. Coming to you from the heart of Cajun country where it is almost the end of crawfish season. I'm kind of sad. Very big crocodile tears or alligator tears in my case. But anyway, today's show is going to be pretty good because I'm going to try to see if I can get you a little bit more performance out of your devices around your house. We all got a lot of different devices around our house, whether it be smart home plugs or ring doorbells, your phones, your laptops, your streaming devices, smart TVs. We have a lot of different devices that are connected to our routers. And I'm going to go over some things that today that will hopefully help optimize that connection. So you don't get any stuttering, any kind of weird issues, anything like that. Stay tuned. We're going to get to that in just a second. Today's show is going to be brought to you by nobody because I don't have any sponsors, but that's okay because there's a couple of things that you can go do. One being go to the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. Check that out. I got all kind of cool stuff on there, build guides, reviews, different things like that. I'm actually working on a review for a new laptop, so that'll be coming out here shortly as soon as I finish writing it. And of course, I will let you know via Facebook because that's my normal go-to thing. So if you want to follow anything on the the podcast, follow me on Facebook at Down South IT. You can hit me up right there. Be the first to know anything and everything that's going on with the podcast because that's where I do most of my announcements. Because I was eh, not bored, but just really didn't feel like making a Twitter for the podcast. So Facebook it is. Again, find me over there at DownSouthIT, like and follow the page. That way you can be up to date with everything going on, unless you go to the website, which is also one of the best places to find out what's going on with the podcast. You can just kind of scroll through, check all the cool stuff that's over there. And again, I do have that review for that HP laptop that'll be coming out soon. So be on the lookout for that. So just jump right into it. Most of the stuff I'm going to talk about today is going to be hmm, technically about routers and placement and stuff like that but i am going to go over a few things for your pc your phone different things like that too so it'll kind of encompass a little bit of everything but for the most part it's going to be the router because that is your main hub that everything connects to so you have to have a good placement of your router to be able to connect to all your devices and speaking of all the things I'm going to talk about today, they will be on the show prep on the website. So hit up the website too, right under the embedded player. You'll be able to find the PDF of the show prep for this episode. And you can go check out the entire list for all the different devices I'm going to talk about. And like I said, first things up is going to be your router because that is your main thing. That is your main hub. Everything that runs on Wi-Fi will connect to your router. And apparently I get emails a lot. You need not worry about all the weird noises. I am a professional, semi-professional. 
Anyway, <laughs> on to routers. First thing you want to do is make sure your router is in a central location in your house. Because everything emanates from that, and that is the central hub of your network, you want to make sure that is it is in the most central location to all of your devices. That way everything doesn't have quite as far to go and as much stuff to go through as far as walls and pipes and conduit and all of that stuff that's in your walls. It won't have to fight any of that if everything is close enough. The signal the degradation won't matter if you're close enough. So you want to make sure your router is in a central location. Now, granted, because of the way some houses are wired and different things like that, that isn't exactly feasible. But there are ways around that, and I'll get to those in a little bit, uh, a little later. But if you have a central location that you can set up your router, that's where you want to do it. If it's in a central room, if it's, you know, in a living room that's close to everything else, that's kind of what you want to do. Now, if you do have multiple stories in your house, you want to set your router up on your second floor. Second floor because everything that whenever your router outputs a signal, it outputs out and down at a 45 degree angle. That's just the way they're designed. That's how they work. So if you're on the second floor, by default, because the way the thing's designed, it will go down into the first floor. If you're on the first floor, not so much, you know, you, especially if you're trying to get go directly above your router from where you're at, not so much. That won't work very well. So if you have multiple stories, you want to keep your router on your second floor. Again, this is, of course, if it's feasible to do it and you can move it to that location, that would be ideal. You can go through and whenever we talk about repeaters and stuff like that in a minute, then, you know, there are ways around that kind of situation. So, but in the optimal setting, second floor, and you want to go central location. Now to go along with that central location, if you don't have multiple floors, you want to try to get your router up around the five to six foot mark. So you want to get it kind of up on a bookshelf or at least up, you know, off of the floor, a couple of couple of three feet, at least. Because again, it's designed to shoot out and down. So if your router is low to the ground, most of the Wi Fi signal is going to go 45 degrees right into the ground, and you're not going to be able to use it. So if you get it up, then you're actually broadcasting more signal. So you have better signal strength throughout your house. So you want to get it up, roughly four to six feet and central location again so height is definitely your friend in this in this instance now if you do have multiple floors and you're doing that it's not so much that you have to do it you know four to six feet up if you're on the second floor you want it about maybe two to three so maybe like up on a desk or something like that would be perfectly fine because you just want airflow you don't necessarily need the height to be able to spread out throughout a single floor. So if you have single floor, you want it about four to six feet up, central location. If you've got multiple stories, second floor, maybe two to three feet up off the ground, no problem, that should be fine. Next is replacement antennas. Now, every router has antennas that 
are shipped with it that they come with. Most of those antennas are going to be omnidirectional, which means they broadcast in all different directions. If you happen to have some spots in your house that are kind of dead zones or the signal drops off a lot because, say, your signal's going through your bathroom where there's a lot of pipes and stuff like that, you can replace your antennas with aftermarket antennas that are directional. You can actually focus them to where they will broadcast and receive in a certain direction. And antennas like that are really not very expensive. Uh, I did not actually go through and price any, but I know they're not very pri they're not pricey at all. The the regular replacement antennas you can probably find on Amazon for three or four bucks. The the directional ones might be maybe ten for a set. They're not very expensive at all. So, you know, if you are having that kind of issue where you have somewhat of a dead zone, it's not, you can connect, but it's kind of slow. That might be a route you want to go, and it's not going to cost you very much money. Next up is reducing other interference to causing devices. This one's a little bit harder to figure out, mainly because every house is different. Everybody has different stuff. So you really don't know exactly what's causing the issues with your Wi-Fi. There could be at times where if you're in your kitchen and your microwave's running, you drop your Wi-Fi or it gets really slow. That's because your microwave is actually interfering with the signal from your router. In cases like that, there's really not a whole lot you can do other than walk away from the microwave while you're playing on your phone waiting for your food to heat up. But there are a lot of other things that can cause interference like your wireless phones. If you still have a landline and you have a wireless phone, a lot of times those will run on 2.4 gigahertz, which is the same frequency that your Wi-Fi runs on. They will be on different channels because it's a different system, you know, different things like that. But for the most part, just because it's on the same wavelength, they will kind of cancel each other out if you're using it at the same time. So that may be something else too. Again, outside of getting rid of your wireless phone and your landline and everything and going back to a corded phone, there's not a whole lot you can do other than kind of walk away from it while you're using the phone or whoever it is is using the phone. Just kind of walk away from them and you can get around that. Lots of other devices can cause interference, especially stuff that are that's in your wall that's passive, like your pipes and stuff like that. If you're not using PVC or PEX in your walls, if you still have iron pipes, if you have an older home, iron pipes will, you know, block a lot of Wi-Fi signal. Your electrical conduit or, or wiring will do it. There's a lot of things that is within your walls that that signal will either degrade really quickly or it'll or outright block it. So in cases like that, there are a few different apps, especially on Android and iOS. They do have a few. You, know, you could use your laptop if you wanted to do that and kind of figure out the signal strength and see where your signal actually drops and dips and stuff like that so you can move things around and maybe try to get a little bit better signal in that area and this is where the central location for your router comes in because if everything's close to it then that's less likely that that signal will degrade through the walls next up is going to be wireless repeaters this is going to be the part that if you have no other option and you can't put your router except for maybe one side of your house this might be the next best option other than having to replace your router with a mesh Wi-Fi system, which those can be 
kind of on the pricey side. They're getting a little bit better now, but for right now, they are a little bit on the high side, especially if you get a, a really decent one that's fairly easy to expand. So a repeater, I know Netgear has a couple different models. TP-Link also has one. I actually have a TP-Link one here at the house. And I, once I set it up, I really have had no problems with it. It works great. Love it. Set it up once and hadn't had to look at it again. And it's been probably six months. So I love it. It's very easy to work with. But basically what it does is wirelessly will connect to your router and then broadcast that same signal out to where you can connect more devices. Like if your router can cover half of your house, this will cover the other half. And for this, you really, you don't need to wire it in or anything like that. Everything is going to be wireless. So you, all you need is basically an outlet and you'll be able to get internet signal through the second part of your house. The other option is if you have multiple floors, like if you had something on a second story and you couldn't move your router, you could also get an extender like that for upstairs. That way you have both floors covered with Wi-Fi signal so you don't get any drops or anything like that upstairs. Most of the repeaters, again, from Netgear, TP-Link, and they got several other ones. I'm sure Linksys or Cisco has versions. Most of them are not very bad as far as cost goes. Most are around $50 to $60 for a decent one. So as far as bang for the buck, that is definitely an easy way to go. If you do have a mesh Wi-Fi system and you need to extend that and get another node, those could be anywhere from 120 to 150 bucks. It just kind of depends on what system you have. Now, granted, with the mesh system, you're going to have a lot more coverage. You're going to be able to do a little bit more with it, spread out a lot more. But if you're on a budget and you need something that'll just kind of help push you over the edge and get you a better connection while you're on the other side of the house, an extender is definitely a cost-effective way to do it. The next couple are is actually going to be going into the router and changing a couple of settings. First one is going to be change the channel of your Wi-Fi. Now, again, I talked to uh, a little bit about some of the Wi-Fi scanning tools they had on iOS and Android. They do have a couple of them, especially the one on Android for sure that I use. And it's just called Wi-Fi Analyzer. So if you have an Android phone or tablet, you can use that. You just download it. It'll actually give you a graph of the signal strength and other signals that it's picking up while you're online. Now, nine times out of 10, your router is going to be set to do auto for the channel selection. In that case, you really shouldn't have to do anything if it senses interference from another network like your neighbor or something like that. It'll automatically change the channel to where you're on one that has less interference. So you shouldn't have to really worry about it. But if you wanted to double check it, you can. And, you know, you could make those changes in your router once you get in there. Most of most routers, they'll tell you how to do that and how to get in it. Uh, follow your manufacturer uh, specifications for that, depending on what router model you have. Most of them are fairly simple and can you can get to it through your phone or through a browser on your laptop or something. They're fairly easy to get around and pretty intuitive now. Most routers have an interface now that's fairly easy to, to get around and make changes to any kind of settings or anything like that. Usually when you do change something like that, that will have to, you will end up rebooting your router. So just kind of keep that in mind too. You, whenever you reboot it, everything will go off for a second, but usually it'll come back in a couple of minutes. 
So just kind of keep that in mind. The next setting is actually is called QoS, the quality of service settings. You can make changes to your QoS settings depending on how you actually use your network. They'll have settings for gaming. They'll have settings for streaming, stuff like that. And basically what all these do is they go through and they prioritize traffic. So if you have it set up to prioritize streaming, so that'll actually prioritize any of the traffic for streaming to make that a lot more smooth and workable. And if you have it set for gaming, that'll drop your latency. So if you're playing Xbox or something like that, you won't lag while you're playing the game. So it, you just have to kind of see what exactly you do with your network the most often. That's the, the best option for you. That way you can change that setting and then that'll actually help you out as far as your speed, your latency, your video quality, different things like that. The good thing is most routers nowadays actually have these set up as just a drop down box and they have different defaults and you can just pick the one that you want, would use the most by default and just click it and then hit save and you're done. So you won't have to do any kind of other setup, any kind of other tweaks or settings or anything like that. It's just a little drop down box. You pick which one you want, save, and that's it. Very easy and very manageable. Next up is going to be updating your router software and or your firmware. So for this one, again, you're going to be in your router and try to see if there's kind of any kind of firmware updates or anything like that. Usually when you do this, it will reboot again. So just kind of keep that in mind. Anytime that you have to update your router's firmware, you definitely don't want to pull power from it. You want to keep it on the entire time, let it finish rebooting and everything. Then you can turn it off if you need to. If you interrupt that process nine times out of 10, you may brick it, which means you have to go get a new router. That's definitely not a good thing and not nothing I would actually warrant you doing. So be careful when you do that. The updates usually are pretty seamless. You just got to let it do its thing and it'll take care of everything. Not just will firmware updates, you know, fix any kind of security bugs or anything like that, that your manufacturer has found. It will update and fix those as well, but it'll also have different UI improvements. If you have to log into your router again, it'll give you different options, different features. So there's a lot of good things that could come with, with that along with different defaults for your QoS service and stuff like that to make things a little bit easier and work a little better for you. So definitely make sure you're up to date on all of that. Last for your router is going to be ventilation. Routers don't use a whole lot of power. They are fairly straightforward in what they do, but they do tend to heat up if they don't have a little bit of airflow. So they do have to be kept out in the open. You don't want to set your router up in a cabinet or a desk uh, drawer or something like that. You want to make sure that it has access to some kind of flowing air. That way, at least the little bit of heat that does come off of it has somewhere to go. Because over time, even if it's in an enclosed space like that, just a little bit of heat that it, that it generates, it will cook itself. And when it cooks itself, it'll shut off. And not only will it shut off, I mean, I've seen this happen a lot of times where something will cook itself for a couple of couple of times and it'll be fine. But that third time that it happens, it shuts off and it will never come back up again. 
So make sure you have a little bit of airflow going around it, that it's out in the open. That way it won't cook itself and you won't have to get a new router. So moving on to PCs and laptops, first thing you want to do if you're having signal issues, you want to reboot. I know that's kind of the standard IT guy thing to say, reboot your computer, but it's true. A lot of times that will help a lot of different things. So, you know, if something's hung up or some kind of process is, is whacked out, rebooting from scratch will help that restart that process and you should be better for it. You also want to make sure you update your software, your firmware, do all your Windows updates, different things like that. So again, that's all stuff that driver updates, Windows updates, other software updates. You want to make sure you're up to date on everything, especially your driver and your Windows updates, not just for security purposes, but because they do optimize drivers for different OSs. And as OSs update, the drivers update also. So you want to make sure that you have the most up-to-date drivers that you possibly can. Next, you want to try to move a little closer to the router. If you're having issues with connections and stuff like that, go sit in the same room and see if you have the same problems. If it is, then it might be something with the device itself, you know, and, and not the actual router. So it may be something a little bit different like that, but that's one way to check. You want to double check and make sure you're using your 5 gigahertz signal if, you're, if it's available. If you have something that, especially streaming devices and TVs, if you go through and use video or watch video, you want to try to hook into your 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. That one has a lot more bandwidth. It's a lot faster. It's a lot better for video. It doesn't travel as far from the router. So you may not be able to get it on the other side of the house. But if you're close enough to it to get a good signal from 5 gigahertz, Use that if you're doing video. That'll definitely help out as far as, you know, being able to watch a good, clear HD video rather than a standard definition video and it looked like junk. Next up, ventilation again, because your laptop needs to be able to breathe and so does your PC if you were on a desktop. If you want to Make sure you blow out any kind of dust on the exhaust fans or the intakes, anything like that. Make sure nothing's blocking that so it has good airflow for your, your laptops. You don't want to run it on while you, you have it sitting on a blanket or anything like that because that will block the intakes and it'll overheat. Never a good thing, especially with a laptop. They don't pull a whole lot of power, but they can overheat pretty easily. So make sure you don't do that. Make sure everything's well ventilated. And last for your PC and your laptop, if you're having connection issues and you can't figure out why, one thing you could do is get a USB Wi-Fi dongle, the, the little thumb drive version of it, and try that. See if that'll help any because most laptops and if you have PC with Wi-Fi, you may not have external antennas on it especially laptops, everything's going to be internal. Some of the internal antennas on those are not very good at all. They'll pick up something if it's really strong, but it, you know, for weak signals, it'll rather just drop it rather than connect to it. So you can always try that. They're very cheap right now. You can get a, a USB dongle for probably 10 or 15 bucks maybe and see if that'll actually help the problem any. Most are going to be plug and play, and being that they have external antennas, 
you won't have to worry about the metal chassis or anything like that of the laptop to block any of the signal or anything like that. It's a it's not a bad thing to have a spare one of those anyway, just in case. I I keep two or three of them to be honest, just in case. And if something happens, I can always use it to test. So they're a cheap investment and they're not a bad thing to keep around. When you're talking about phones, usually if you're having connection issues with your phones, you can try to move to another location in the room. If you're next to, say, your wireless phone or something like that, you can kind of move away from it. Different things like that. Try different places in the room to see if your connection issue comes back or if it, you know, if it gets worse. You want to make sure you have all your software updates. Again, all usually software stuff is not just security stuff, but it is drivers and different things like that that'll help streamline any kind of issues or bugs or whatever that they found, especially with iOS and Android. They do that a lot. They find bugs constantly with iOS and Android, so being up to date is definitely a good thing. You want to make sure, see if you're on 2.4 or 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. Again, 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi will be faster. But if you're too far away from it, then you won't have that. You'll have a problem with that. You'll have connection issues. You could go to your 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. It won't be quite as fast. But if it's a, if it's a good and stable connection, it really doesn't matter. Most phones these days won't really go all the way to gigabit or anything like that whenever they're doing download speeds or anything. So even your LTE or 5G, unless you're on millimeter wave, you're still running between 40 and maybe 80 meg per second as far as speed goes, which is about the same as you would get on a 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi signal. So you're not doing anything different than basically what your cellular thing is, but you're on Wi-Fi. So unless you're downloading huge files or, you know, watching 4K HD videos, then, you know, a 2.4 gigahertz signal that is actually connectable and stable is going to be by far better than a faster flaky signal. And the last bit of advice is if you have a smart TV or a streaming device like a Fire Stick or Roku or something like that, you want to try to connect that one to your 5 gigahertz network as well. So if you have 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, you want to make sure that all of those devices are connected to 5 gigahertz. Now, granted, again, that's if it's close enough and you get a good enough signal just because of the bandwidth and everything that you're going to be using while you're streaming. So make sure that all of those are going to be hooked to the right one unless it's something that you can wire it like if you're close enough if your router happens to be in your living room and your tv and your uh and everything is right there if you can run a cat 6 cable to it and do that do that wired is always going to be a lot more stable than wi-fi and usually it's a little bit faster too so that's always something too. If you can run, if you can do it wired, do it wired. That's always been my suggestion anyway. Thank you guys for hanging with me. This is going to be it for me for today. I'm going to end it just like I always do with a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard. Technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. 
Thank you all for joining me. Thanks for hanging out. I love you. I'll see you right back here on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.